<laughs> Wait. Oh, great. No, no, no. 30? Okay, well. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> okay. You can start. Yeah. So this is our first podcast of the Get Together podcast. Uh, my name is Thomas. You guys can introduce yourselves. I'm George. <laughs> Uh, okay we're just doing names okay yeah i'm errol okay and so we're like three gens the the gens that love to talk about tech entrepreneurship and a lot of different concepts but this is a very laid-back podcast and we'll just uh talk about recent news and stuff so i think obviously we can start off with twitter and the whole fiasco that's going on there so uh, I don't know, we need to give a recap, but essentially there's a lot of changing of like the Twitter's structure that we're seeing from Elon's side. And um, like, is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I guess that's what we can discuss right now. Like, what do you guys think so far? I think you can't put it as uh, black and white, of course, right? I think with a lot of things that Elon does, but just from a perspective of a restructuring, because that's what he offers at the end of the day. It's just mm-hmm. a restructuring of a social media company and he thinks he knows how to run it best. If you look at it yeah. from that perspective, it's kind of a shit show because the the amount of layoffs, I'm not sure equates right. to more efficiency. And most importantly, if he says he wants to build a super app, uh, like, like, like uh, the Chinese apps that he mentioned, um, you yeah. know, all three of us having lived in China, we know that that takes a lot of manpower. That takes a lot of people. Yeah. So I don't know how one in four people can do, you know, like three times the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really skeptical about the business model as well. I mean, I'm sure there's ways to generate revenue, but if we look at it from a step back, like we can be inspired by super apps, but we also have to realize like people come to apps sometimes for very specific reasons, if there's a lot of history towards that app, it's very hard to like change. So even the pricing model, like the whole verified blue thing, I'm not sure if like people are on board, even if it creates more um, features for say content creators or whatever. Like it's not, there was a, there was a tweet like a couple of weeks ago from like, what is the guy? The guy who writes books is like King, Stephen King. Wait, yeah, it's Stephen King, right? Stephen King, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, I, like, why do I have to pay $8 to like give the news about my new books? Like, it's kind of dumb. So I don't know how that, that fits in, but it's kind of, I would agree, it's sort of a shit show right now. Yeah, but it's like with the whole like Twitter blue thing, I mean, at this point, I just feel like he's kind of just like seeing what works, like what business model would work because he quickly implemented it. And I don't know how long it took for him to take it back. But after all the impersonation and all that, he was like, yeah, we can't do this right now. So we're going to delay it for, I think, like a month or two. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, at this point, like he's not hard set on one business model or another. I think he's just kind of throwing it out there, seeing what sticks and just hoping for the best. But I mean, at the same time, too, we're talking about the layoffs at Twitter. And I I, I made myself go on Twitter. Like I say made myself, but OK, I went on <laughs> Twitter every single day since Elon took over and it's like 70% of the staff was cut or, you know, laid off or just left. And at the same time, Twitter is still working. So it kind of <laughs> makes you think, what were all of those people doing? And like, like even as a software engineer myself, I'm thinking like, if, if you have Twitter, the damn app does not change. Like it's been the same relatively for the past like five, 10 years. And I'm just, it, it's, it's having me wonder about what all those people were even doing in the first place. And I think it's very manageable with the team that they have now. Um, it's a little too early to say, but I think what Elon Musk is doing isn't as bad 
as what a lot of the public, I believe, thinks it is. Yeah. I don't know if this leads into a segue of like how like certain engineers didn't exist in a company. Like obviously I think the old version or even now, even still now, like the idea of having more engineers is just more redundancy, right? Mm -hmm. Especially like in a big company, like you want to have people that are optimizing rather than just creating the very bare like necessities of an app. So maybe you don't as a user, like see these increases or these better performances because they might not be so like in front of your face, but maybe it's like, oh, five seconds versus one second load time. And the the, the change to go from five seconds to one second, it's like a couple really top tier engineers that can only do that sort of performance increase. So and I don't know, maybe see. they fired those people. I don't know. Let's see what happens when um, there's some, some issue, some breakdown, you know, if mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, Twitter yeah. goes like off offline, like how long will it take them to fix it? If they had more people, probably faster. Right. Um, right. So, that's so true. So that's do you think the uptime is a is a thing that like they should be worried about though? Because if like if I, I think from Elon's point of view, it's like, oh, this is a new company. Like even though we have the name Twitter, 100%. it's like this is a startup, right? So even if he's they, never like, taken fail, over anything, he just builds it kind right. of from scratch or from a very early right. stage. Like so he doesn't care if it goes to crap if it's going to keep improving, right? Like it can be down for a couple of hours. Like it's not end of the world. But can you operate what, a big company like that? You know, like a like I a don't know, right? Do you think institutional investors and in like those banks that are kind of just waiting for their money, like would be fine with it? Like I think that's the question, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess this segues again, just like going out to more big tech in general. Like there's a lot of layoffs that have been happening in general from companies every single week. Uh, obviously, we're seeing new news. Is there any <laughs> new companies that are getting stripped of employees that you guys are aware about? I'm, I know like, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all these other places, they've been the recents. But like, is there anything in this last week or in the last two weeks that have been like, oh, no, like how did they cut these amount of people from that company? I saw Stripe, for example. Yeah, Stripe. Fintech, I think, got hit the hardest. I think. Yeah, I don't even understand that. How does Valuations that work? Valuations were way too high last year. Really? They were like through the okay. roof insane. So it yeah. just it just makes sense. And even with those last year valuations, they were still mm -hmm. out hiring. You know, people. You know, a lot of investors yeah. they were questioning the hiring last year. In this market, it made zero sense. So they had to cut it back. Back down to pre twenty twenty levels, I think. Interesting, because I thought that the like, say Stripe for example, right? They were operating on like for sure net profit, right? Like it's not like they don't have a budget to extend or have a rainy day fund to like have even with these surplus of employees. I would expect that considering it is more fintech related, like they should probably know their financials more and like how to operate even in an environment like this. I don't know. Like it seems a little bit bizarre, like oxymoronic. Well, fintech uh, companies uh, uh, um, kind of by default have their financials, understanding of their financials a lot worse than other industries because nobody <laughs> wait, else what? operates at such low margins. Like nobody else <laughs> operates at such low margins. So, you know, um, I think there's a lot of very questionable stuff on the finance side in terms of how fintech companies operate, like all the wallets, yeah. all the P2P things. Were they ever going to make money? It's a big question. Yeah. 
you do you think they will make money? I mean, like what is what does fintech look like today? What is the landscape? Obviously there's like crypto side, but I feel like that's a wall that's like or a subset that's very specific. Like what is the what is because you're obviously working on, on a fintech, right? Like what is the concept of fintech right now? I know there's like always partnership with banks, like that's a really important thing, but we have a variety of types of things that are trying to address different problems. So like what is, I guess, the most fundamental fintech that you see to be really important? Jordan? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, wallets are definitely important. And um, everything from open banking to uh, buy now, pay later definitely has place in our everyday life. The other question mm -hmm. is, how much value do we put towards it? And the regulators are still there. They're just as, as vicious as, as they've always been, um, you know, always hard to deal with. Um, customers are also still there, but maybe not as willing to spend as as much as last year. Uh, but 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 the investor confidence has eroded for sure. So all the core mm -hmm. products that would still exist, there would still be a wallet, there would still be you know P2P payments, BNPL even. Uh, it's just yeah. the valuations are going to go down. There's going to be less people working in the fintech space. Uh, to be honest, mm -hmm. I don't know why fintech needs to have as much of a workforce as a bank. I thought the value proposition of fintech was that they can cut down on, on the unnecessary um, employees and then actually create you know, a more efficient product. But over time, everyone forgot about that part. Everyone started out hiring and they just turned into another bank. So it's it's healthy to an extent. Mm, I see. Arrow, mm. you've been kind of silent. Do you uh, have any... Ideas, about fintech? Like, yeah. Maybe not just fintech, but I feel like, you know what my worry is? My worry is like, not just fintech, maybe because of this whole fiasco with FTX and we can like go into that. Um, because these things are all like kind of stuck together, like fintech is, sorry, crypto is a subset of fintech to a certain degree, right? We can kind of argue that that's the case. But then crypto usually is paired of our funding Web3, stuff that's like new tech as well. And so when we look at it, right, like a lot of, stuff that happens in the upper chains of fintech and even crypto affect the new technologies that maybe don't even they shouldn't be decoupled with it but they are and so they suffer right um i don't, I don't know how that's going to like affect or like blow out butterfly effect in the next uh couple months i'm just really worried that like the whole web3 concept is so on the back burner that it will die well it's not I feel like at this point now with like, you know, uh, what George was talking about in terms of just fintech, buy now, pay later. And even what you mentioned with crypto and Web3, I think mm -hmm. for the next like five years, maybe uh, just due to more like economic conditions, you know, general funding. I think it's not going to be so much of innovating like fresh new products. I think this is going to be now, OK, we have some technology like crypto, like blockchain, like buy now, pay later. What's now the next step up? What can we now do with this? Because yeah. um, I can talk about buy now, pay later specifically, because I actually apply to a lot of jobs that did buy now, pay later. And mm -hmm. I can tell you right now that they all just jumped on the trend and there's really nothing that differentiates any of them. So they're not, I, I don't see them having anything new in the next few years, but it's just going to be now, okay, what's, how can we, uh, how can we be different than them? How can we be unique? How can we be innovative? So it's mm -hmm. more on, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be that much creation. I think it's going to be now, how do we make it, how do we have a higher quality? And finding okay, out. Okay, so like cutting off fat, just like the guys that, 
it's yeah. either vaporware or realware, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's like cutting off fat is always what happens. That's what I mean in terms of like general uh, market conditions too. Like, we just just we're just talking about tech layoffs. Yeah, we're gonna cut away the fat. Um, even yeah. Twitter too, we're gonna cut away the fat, and that's just how it is because in in conditions like this, you really have to make sure that you're lean and then you can scale quickly. Um, and I feel as if right now, or not right now, but in the past few years, there was just so much money being thrown at us, uh, particularly startups. I know George knows this, that, you know, people were just hiring. People were just saying, yeah, we don't have to be that different. You know, we're going to raise $100 million, um, even though we don't even have a product yet. It's just things like that that are just, have created the, the created the scenario we are in now. And that's why it's going to be kind of lackluster for new ideas going forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. to, to, to go off that, I think there was too much digitalization in the last two years in the first yeah. world countries in the West. Mm. Like, no, did we ever really need a 15 minute delivery service? Like, would something fundamentally happen in our lives if it took 18 minutes or 20? Um, but somehow that turned into a, I think, $20 billion industry uh, yeah. just in the US alone. And all of those are shutting down. But, and that's not a problem. That's a good thing, right? That's uh, the, the, the market being very efficient and pretty much cutting out what is what was access. But the problem is that a lot of the trends in the last two years was the lower tier countries, the third world countries, getting access to you know, the core infrastructure, delivery services, we were in the social commerce space, kind of we've, we've launched it during this period, during 2021, when things were um, arguably quite good. And then all of those companies had to also scale back. Like I went to to India in October. I met the um, um, a friend of mine, founder of DealShare, which is a social commerce app. They're one of the only social commerce companies in emerging markets that have retained their valuation and have actually increased a little bit. And that was only because they're you know appro- approaching profitability. But everyone else has pretty much uh, also imploded, and that's really bad. You know, the next billion internet users are going to come a little bit later than we think because of this downturn. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a very interesting concept that like maybe the people that benefit the most are the ones that like just start using the bare services that we take for granted granted i don't okay anyways yeah um but at the same time i'm like is that is that a good thing that most of the valuations are maybe investment even now right i feel like they're still trying to figure out hey is this new customer segment the better like place to go to to invest in or is it like the new tech that's maybe taking what we see as old and trying to reinvent it so like my concept of web3 right it's not just the normal sorts of websites or whatever it's like new faster more impressive architecture for a website or maybe the way that things run right like is that where does that fit in are the people going to like abandon that idea or is is investment going to dry up there or is it like just on the down low or is it going to just die? Like, well, I don't know. I, I do have to say though, that web three as a whole, I think a key part of the hype for it is people just want to make money. I think mm. that's a very big thing that, um that actually kept me away from, you know, web three in the first place was, you know, we have all these advocates saying, Hey, web three is the next big thing. It's going to be fast. It's going to be better, better privacy. But at the end of the day, I don't think, I don't think that is what those developers and advocates are really 
believing it, if that makes sense. I think they're just like, yeah, it's a way for us to make more money. I think that's the primary focus because there was so much money in cryptocurrency. And right. I, I mean, because that wasn't the main belief, I know that there are some people up there who really do believe in that. You know, we have really smart people like Vitalik, of course, um, and the guys even at Cardano, which uh, tremendous work to them. It's just, I feel like right now, because the essence, the foundation isn't there, I don't really know where Web3 is going to go, but I think definitely the hype is dying down. And unless there's a big turn directly in like cryptocurrency where the you know, price is now skyrocket, I think that's the only thing that's going to make Web3 a little bit more popular now. Yeah. Do you guys think the fallout of FTX, like we're two weeks after this whole fiasco, right? Um, obviously no one has <laughs> gotten their money back. So obviously I don't, I don't think that that would be the case. It's surprising how the guy as you know, Sam Bankman free, he's not in jail yet because he's in the Bahamas and they just have no jurisdiction. But what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think about this whole thing? Like what is our, uh, convo to this so far? Uh, it's a surprise by the way that he's not in jail or at least in <laughs> right. custody, you know, awaiting right? yeah. his trial because, very little difference with every other Ponzi scheme that wasn't crypto. Mm -hmm. And they got arrested. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? but he hasn't, right? There's like this whole conspiracy that given that, you know, his parents and everything are all kind of in interconnected, MIT, uh, even the SEC, all of these things, like it's not, it's not um, easy to break through. Like, is this a political issue? Is this something that, it's kind of problematic that he's not getting arrested because maybe something is protecting him. There were some I mean, donations, even... right? I, I read about donations to, to the Democrat Party that he was making. Yes, there was. There was a whole, I think the, I think FTX actually did invest. I don't remember the amount. It was a significant amount of money sent to the Democratic Party. And now because, you know, they have to reel back, then there's not much they can do. But at the same time, it seems very ominous that you know somebody that's giving all this money is you know maybe not being arrested because why arrest the guy who gave you a lot of money right like that, that makes a lot of sense right? yeah. yeah but, but I, uh, I, will, I will say though that apparently he i heard that he was going to be some peanuts subpoena subpoena he has a subpoena okay I'm sorry. I'm I didn't sorry. know that. Okay. It's, it's, it's cool. early. Uh, so, <laughs> so he will be, uh, he will be back in the U.S. And I don't know, I don't think they're going to arrest him because as you just mentioned, you know, they are uh, a lot of these Democrats, they got a lot of money from him. So I don't know if anything is actually going to happen. I think it might just be more for publicity, just for show being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's being held accountable. You know, look, guys, he's coming to Congress. He's telling us about his problems, all of that. But I don't think anything else is going to come from it. Um, it's just taking time right because here's the thing right the last fiasco with a big company was definitely elizabeth holmes and she just like recently last month right got yeah. sentenced like she got her sentence right she has what like 10 years of prison time or whatever Good shit. Uh, yeah. so it takes time and it was like three-ish years before this whole thing like came to a close so maybe it's that, but we can't say for certain, right? <laughs> like we really screwed up if like by the time he gets arrested, it's like we're all <laughs> 30 years old or something like that. Yeah. And then you have to track all the money and the proof, right? That's what I was going to say. Like what, then you have to <laughs> ask yourself, if, if he now gets arrested and he's held guilty and liable for like 10 years down the line, 
Well, yeah. all that money is now gone. 100%. Like, good luck trying to get that shit back. But if mm-hmm. they were to take action now, it's it's still unlikely, and that's just a sad truth, that any of the customers are going to get their money back. But it's much more likely than if it was 10 years down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why action going fast, I think in this case, is definitely a big benefit. And they should, but... I, I personally as well don't know enough information about it to really say why they're not actively pursuing him right now. Um, <laughs> if it is just donations, then well, well fucked. Yeah. So segueing into another topic that's kind of been re- reaching out this this week was the whole um, introduction of chat GPT. Oh my gosh, I'm fumbling my words here. Chat GPT from OpenAI. Um, maybe for context, because uh, I don't know if everyone here knows the news. So a new tech uh, model, GPT model, right? A transformer model was released where you can be able to ask uh, this model to code certain things or give you instructions on how to code something, uh, which, you know, obviously every developer that's looking at this, they're like, oh shit, is my like job, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of an issue now because they can just give me instructions on how to code it. Um, I guess we can start off with like Errol, since you might know about this. Like, what is your thoughts on it so a far? Question is: is is it any way different than uh, Substack, where you just search up the answer? Like, <laughs> um, it's not really different. I guess it's like OpenStack or Substack. Like those more are like are forum questions, right? Like forum and answer. This is more like, oh, tell me how to code this entire app, and then it'll give you procedural instructions, right? Whereas maybe for uh you know stack overflow they'll give you like a snippet of like this one specific problem and how to like debug or fix that problem i see yeah, yeah. um but also, but also chat gpt as well it's it can also like give you like poems if you ask it it's not just yeah, for yeah. Coding, you know right. like if you want to uh my coworker showed me not coworker, my manager or well, i guess coworker too uh <laughs> showed me a snippet where he asked the uh, chat gpd for a poem about a penguin drinking coffee and it's like <laughs> It's it's like pretty good. You get some wild stuff on there too. But um, but just from the coding aspect as well. No, I'm not worried. Um, you know, I mean, how often does a technology come along that's like it's gonna replace everyone in this industry? Like, nah, I I always just tend to brush that off. But in this case specifically as well, a lot of my work that I'm doing for software engineering is it's working with really big systems. And the fact is, this chat does not understand our entire system. You can't, mm. you cannot tell me the most efficient way to do this because only I would know that or not even me. I would have to actually go into the code base and learn it myself. So I think it's just such a complex thing. And of course you don't want to now, you know, download all the files or share your GitHub to the AI for them to read it all. Cause that's just massive privacy issues. So I don't really see it as that big of a, uh, of an issue with my job. I don't really think it's going to be truly revolutionary in software engineering, but I think it's just something that's nice to have and is a little bit better maybe than like Stack Overflow. Cool mm. to think about though. Just imagine the guys that got laid off and are never coming back. The jobs are just going to be replaced. <laughs> They're permanently <laughs> out of the market. They like fix mm. this, this issue with like maybe federated learning uh, so that they're able to read GitHub. Um, but obviously that's in the very long, long run. Yeah. It's I, crazy how we all like started from honestly an NLP venture, right? Coopsite. I feel like the tech has both seemingly improved, but at the same time has not improved if you catch my drift. So like 
there's some things where it might not know the context to the situation. And this goes for GPT. It goes for a lot of different things. Um, recently, in the last couple months, I don't know if you guys are aware of something called GitHub Copilot. So it's like this new thing that GitHub released, it's like $10 a month. And it, while you're typing code on VS Code, because VS Code is also open, like open source, but is owned by Microsoft, which is the company that owns GitHub, right? So they basically allowed for this integration where when you start typing stuff, it would kind of give you some auto complete snippet to like, just use that as the code. And maybe it does well, right? But there's like a lot of um, exactly what you're saying, George, there's like actually some legal problems right now because of this federated learning problem. People are like, wait, how do you get this code? And they're like, oh, well, we used all the open source community projects. And they're like, but at the same time, you didn't give us any credit to these projects. So now this product is just really, really confusing. Like you're taking code and not giving credit. Is that really legal? Everyone's like, what is going on with that? So there's also a lawsuit, if I remember. Um, but the point is like, it's like, there's not a guarantee that people embrace the NLP side of things. And at the same time, the snippets themselves, they're very like one-off. They're all based off derivations of other projects, but they don't know the specific context to your own project. Um, I guess my point to this is just, I don't know, like, I feel like there's a struggle between what is AI's, um, smartness, their capabilities, the improvements that you see, and then the context that they have. So um, do you guys think that that would be something that can be fixed or is something that just has to exist and we have to deal with it? like, that's just the extent of AI right now. Like that's the only thing we can hope for that it will just do things a little bit more easy, but we'll still need to do a lot more work. Yeah. I, I mean, Errol, you can expand on it. I think, I think you already said it. That it's oh, I, well, I'm just thinking on it a little bit, but I mean, because well, first of all, just just a disclaimer: I I'm a software engineer. I love tech. I love software. I'm not huge into AI just because it's so fucking complex. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's just so much going on, and I definitely do feel like it, it's making improvements over time. But I I still feel like at this point, it's. AI as a whole, it's not being used as I think people five years ago would have thought or 10 years ago, right? I think there is still, you know, uh, a lot of like niche cases for it. E even that's like not entirely true, but I feel like it's definitely underperformed in what a lot of, in the capacity that a lot of people would have thought it did. Especially I, like us, we saw how in 2018, how everyone was going crazy over it in China saying, you know, it's going to be like, Everywhere throughout our like life, everyday life, we're gonna be interacting with AI, like Kaifuli coming yeah. to our university. None of it materialized. You're right. That's the thing. Yeah. But it's still very useful. Like AI is being used so much in so many businesses. Um, and it's so it's still being utilized, but just not it I guess it just underperformed the hype. And that's it, typically it, what happens with technology. It could be a, a hockey stick effect as well. Like as with most things in tech. It's gonna take some time until it like actually takes off, and then and then very soon we're gonna be kind of discussing a more existential crisis. <laughs> I discussed it a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I want to expose your thoughts on this podcast, but uh, yeah, <laughs> let's let's save that for another time, maybe. But um, if I'm it, very pro like, AI. 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it that way. You're very pro AI. Um, Broco's yeah. Basculist. Versus pro human, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To all our overlords in the future, yes, we love we love AI. <laughs> but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it's like a if it's like a hockey stick, then you know it's gonna shoot up. Obviously, an adoption in its strength, and we just have to make sure that um, this goes into a little more philosophical aspect. But we have to make sure that there's some ethics that keeps up with the AI or some re regulation. Um, regulation at this point is, I'll be honest, with the whole FTX thing, I and so many other things that's happening in crypto, I have no faith in regulation going forward for any technology. Mm -hmm. I really don't, because the government just moves so slowly. Um, China can make it obvious they can move a little faster, but even that too. And yeah. I, I really feel like it's there's a key, a very key aspect of the developers and the entrepreneurs and the business leaders who are working with AI and developing it and maintaining it, integrating it with their businesses, I think it's their responsibility to now not focus on regulation because that's not going to come, but to have their own ethics, own standards. And that's, that is asking for a lot. Um, and of course that will vary greatly, but I think that's the only thing we can do if we really want to make sure that, um, you know, AI doesn't completely dominate us, uh, become our overlords, which some people may think is a good thing, but uh, <laughs> I think we have to use AI and new technology responsibly. And I think it always starts at the business not at the government level. One other thing that I want to touch on related to FTX and related to, to kind of blockchain and AI is that I've noticed there's a very big difference in terms of what's discussed in the US versus the rest of the world. Like FTX For was sure. definitely like the key topic of discussion in the last, last two weeks. And then last month has been Twitter in the US. But throughout the world, yeah. you know, the discussion is very different. And I think fundamentally in the US, there's a bit of a breakaway in terms of where people think innovation is going and where they're willing to put their money towards. Like there's a lot more of an effort on deep tech. There's a lot, there's still a lot of um, uh, interest in blockchain. Never like, you know, even, even considering the whole fall off, there's still a lot of interest in blockchain while the rest of the world is doing completely, you know, different things that are more focused on the B2C space that are more focused mm -hmm. on, you know, the current everyday life and so, infrastructure. Yeah. Right. And also marketing, right? Like to, I guess, segue in the last thing for AI, it's like, look at Jasper AI. I don't know if you guys know what that thing is. It's basically a like marketing photo copywriting system thing where you just tell the AI to like write something for you, an email or something that's like very marketing centric. So maybe there are use cases and it's just going to take some time, but uh, it has to be maybe based on like whether or not it generates revenue or not. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of downturns and, and uh, the situation right now, Thomas, you're kind of in a very interesting position because you're doing something in the travel industry that is definitely picking yeah. up pace after last year and 2020 for sure. But at the same time, yeah. you know, there's a whole tech sell off. So how is that space performing? How is the space that connects the real economy that is doing well with tech that is right now, you know, going through a tough time? I'm going to be real with you. I've been looking at like competitors and investors. I haven't really seen so much news that is like astoundingly getting prepped for the future. Um, so like that's a little bit sad, but at the same time, I think it takes some time. They're waiting for that demand to really materialize because people say, oh yeah, I want to travel until they travel, right? Like they travel a lot. Um, I don't think the demand is actually seen as demand yet. It's more like prepped demand, right? So maybe that's what they're waiting for. Um, but if you're talking about like whether or not this tech will introduce new 
realms or new experiences i feel like that's definitely going to be the case like <laughs> there needs to be improvements across the board for even the more mundane uh entertainments that we have in our lives and everyday lives not just like tv and stuff like that but like things to do right so uh i think that's my that's my close off is there anything else that you guys have to say about uh you know anything like this is our last two minutes or one minute so we can just close it here <laughs> happy we got this this first podcast started yeah i like the format we'll definitely uh think about how to you know make it obviously better but this is i think this is a good start yeah, yeah. it's uh it's definitely a great start um and yeah i'm excited to keep going forward with this as well you know every week we want to do this uh yeah. still time i think so yeah. yeah i mean excited to see what else we talk about guys cool all right. Next, Have a nice uh, day, guys. Right. <laughs> How do we end these things? <laughs> just kidding. I, I